Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Coffee Talk and Tea. Um, I know it's going to be a good one because whenever we have a hot topic with lots of great information, the technology gremlins come out and they have got a hold of Antricia's computer today. So she is sitting in the background. I'm sure she'll pop in here and there and, and share her comments. Unfortunately, we don't have video with her today. Uh, we do have some extra special guests along with us today. We've got a full house. Today's topic is signs of toxic relationships. So I am going to go ahead and um, let everybody introduce themselves. Let our panel here today that's going to be talking about these toxic relationships. Sharika, how about I start with you? Let's tell the audience a little bit about you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Sharika Alfred, creator of the Proactive Planner. Um, financial literacy advocate and just love to share what I know and what I've learned from life and love to learn from others. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Melanie, how about you? Oh, you're not muted. You're muted, Melanie. Grab the unmute okay, button. There we go. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Melanie Adamson, founder and director of Project Gain. Get active and involved now. And I love to work with kids, love to work in the community, single mom here. And I can talk a little bit about some toxic, toxic relationships. So looking forward to being here today. Absolutely. Can't we all? We've all uh, encountered different toxic relationships. Tammy, glad to have you with us in studio today. Why don't you do a quick introduction? Hello, everyone. I am Tammy Boy Wright. And I have ooh, many life's experiences that I can share. Awesome. All right. So let's, let's just dive right into the topic of toxic relationships. We all have them. And I feel like that's a hot button anymore on social media, right? Now, now everybody is labeled narcissistic. Yeah, correct. Every toxic relationship is labeled by having somebody narcissistic in the um, in the background. Sometimes I feel like that's overused. But what you know, what? Let's all share some different signs of. Start with 
you know, how do we know we're in a toxic relationship? You know, and it doesn't just have to be with a spouse, a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend. I mean, sometimes we have those with our own family, with our parents, with our um, with our kids. And so let's start with, you know, what what kinds of experiences have you had or and signs that later you discovered you were really, truly in a toxic relationship? Who'd like to kick it off? I can play bad teacher and call on somebody. <laughs> I think for me, as I got older, I start realizing um, how do I feel after I've been with someone? Do I feel drained? Um, when people and someone is just there and they're just taking the life out of you and just draining you. So I start paying attention of how I felt being around that person and did they add value? Um, and it's not about that. It just, it's just, I had to be careful how much, how much time I guess I invested with someone and the way that I interacted with them. So I think that that was for me as I got older, um, and just some life experience, I just started feeling more so about how do I feel? Did they take from me or did they add value or did they add something? Did they fill me up? Did I get gassed up a little bit that I feel like I can go a little farther? Right. I think yeah, that's, that's important. Sharika, how about you? Yeah. And, you know, Brenda, and you, you kind of hit up on the point that I was going to bring out. Oftentimes, whenever we think of toxic relationships, we automatically think about the, the romantic relationships, you know, uh, the spouse or the relationship. But for me, as I was thinking about the show, what I thought back was a friendship that I had many, many years ago. You know, it was like, um, I thought the girl and I thought we were friends, but then whenever she got around another girl, you know, kind of like the mean girl syndrome, you know, there are different levels to this. We were buddy, buddy and cool. But when she got around another girl, then all of a sudden, she kind of switched up. And so I think, um, you know, in observing the relationships that you're in, whether it's a romantic relationship or just, a, you know, a friendship, any kind of family, whatever, you kind of got to sit back and observe. It's like, is this person the same way with me, regardless of who's around? Uh, do they have a tendency to switch up when they're around other people and kind of, you know, get to the heart of it and kind of see, hey, well, what's that all about? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, I, I really love what Melanie said about how do you feel when you walk out of the room, right? When you've left that person, um, how how do you feel about the interaction that you had? And I think it, it, while we're talking about that, it's also important to note, are we aware of how we make others feel? Because sometimes we can be the toxic in that toxic relationship, right? I mean, it's not always about the other person. So there is that gut check of, are we the toxic in this particular relationship? Tammy, how about you? What you got to, what are your thoughts on toxic relationships? Relationship. Well, when you, when we started earlier, you said, how do we know if we're in a toxic relationship? One of the signs that you can know is that, are you carrying that relationship? A relationship is supposed to be 50-50, whether it's sister relationship, family relationship, whatever kind of relationship. And if there's a person that's carrying the whole relationship as C-A-R-R, uh, help me out on my spelling, I-N-G, carrying the relationship and the other person is lagging behind, it seemed to become toxic because you can care C-A-R-E in a relationship. But when a person is carrying the relationship, one person now, it becomes toxic because that person is overwhelmed. That person is drained, like someone mentioned earlier. That person is you know, has a lot on them in the relationship. So, and when you have a relationship, that's a two-party thing. So. I, I think, uh, you know, 
it, going back to that original question, how do you know? I think it's possible to be in a toxic relationship for so long that you don't even realize that that is what you're in, right? You um, And I look at many parent-child relationships. I mean, those can be, I know for me, um, my relationship with my biological mother was extremely toxic. And to Tammy's point, I carried it, you know, I, I over and over again, I remember walking into this relationship saying, you know, for years um, with the belief system that um, if, if I was going to have regrets, like if I left this earth and I would have regrets for not trying one more time, then I needed to try one more time. And I would try and try and try and be left in tears time after time after time. Um, and so sometimes you don't know, or sometimes you feel like you have to be in that relationship because of the dynamic, like with a parent child. And I think it's okay. So I'd like to hear everybody's thoughts on parent child relationships. Do you, um, well, uh, Brenda, I just want to jump in right quick. I know that my camera is not working, but just to jump in, uh, real quickly, just to say that, uh, when we don't know the signs, all we know is that something is not right. Something is not adding up. Our, our, our one plus one is equaling 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And we're unhappy. We're unfulfilled. And usually, you know, we're drawn in. We're drawn in in this emotional uh, divide so that um, we can... Uh, I guess using all these, uh, what we think uh, a fairy tale, what we hope the relationship should be or the what ideal. it should look like. Uh-huh, the ideal of it all. And so uh, when I look back and look at my history and my cycle of relationships, not only in my family, but in my uh, intimate relationships with uh trying to date and things like that in the relationship with my children, relationships on my job, in business. I believe looking back, learning the signs and understanding what it really looks like and the red flags that I was hearing in that situation, that I am the toxic factor. I believe that I am the one with all the toxicity and with that being said, everything that was attracted to me at that point was toxic. And so uh, when we're immersed with that residue of being toxic, we don't know how to um, find anything other than toxic. You know, had we known better, had we known what to look for, had we known what our worth is, we may not have a settled for such uh, unbalance, imbalance into the relationship. With that being said, guys, we're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back here, talk a little more and dig in on toxic relationships. The signs. All right. Welcome back from the break. And Trisha gave us some awesome nuggets about recognizing when we are the toxic attracting toxic. So um, would love let's let's dig deeper into that, because I absolutely agree. We get we attract whatever um, whatever frequency we're resonating at. If we're walking around and we are the cloud in the room, we're going to attract more clouds, right? So let's let's talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts on that, Sharika? So I think it goes back to, for one, and Anne hit up on this, a self-awareness. So 
oftentimes I've heard it and I've seen it and you guys have probably even heard it and seen it, even said it, hurt people hurt people, you know? And so whether you're the hurt person that's given off this energy or whether you're involved with someone who is that individual giving off that energy and you just kind of choose to hang in there, um, because as Trisha mentioned, you're stuck with the idea or, you know, kind of go looking at like relationships, the good girl, bad boy, kind of, you see what you got, but you have all these thoughts in your mind. And it's like, oh, he's just misunderstood. Oh, let me just reach out and help him. He'll change. And, you know, it, it just, it doesn't happen. Um, I have a question that I'd like to pose to you guys. At what point, even once you do realize that, okay, this is not a good situation, but we've been in it five, 10, 15 years. And so I'm going to hang in there. But really, at what point do you really sit and say, okay, this has not been good for five, 10, 15 years, and I need to figure out a way to pull away from this? At what point does that, that happen? What is it that, what's the trigger that, that encourages that to happen? You bring up so many really um, good points there. I mean, I think, uh, you know, go, going back to just the thought of recognizing some of those behaviors, like, and the excuses that you're making, right? Oh, it's going to get better. Oh, so I think that's a good trigger awareness of, all right, if I'm making excuses for somebody or making excuses for myself, then something needs to change. Uh, for me, I think there's two things. I think one, it's always a look inward at ourselves, because if we're really getting what we're attracting, then it's time to say, wait a minute, you know, am I am I the common denominator? Because I can't take my old self into a brand new relationship and create different something different. So I think the first step is always work on ourselves. I mean, maybe before we throw the towel in, before we do anything else, and I'd love to hear everybody else's point. I mean, unless, of course, it's abuse. I mean, if you're in an abusive situation, absolutely. But if it's just, I'm, I'm not feeling good in this, you know, sometimes you got to check. Am I expect? do I have expectations that I expect to be validated that are unrealistic? Am I asking something of this other person in the relationship that I have no business asking? Because sometimes that is the case. It's our own insecurity that makes it feel toxic when it may not be that person. So to me, I think the first step is, what do I, do I get to work? Where do I need to improve? What are my blind spots? How do I start working on myself to make improvements? Tammy, I, I'm curious to hear what you think about that because I know, you know, sometimes yes, I can be um, way off. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> no, she had mentioned about uh, when did you know that, you know, it's toxic or whatever. One thing for me in my second marriage, that was totally, totally a to toxic relationship. And it took, one thing it took was my kids. My daughter told me, mama, you're not happy with him. She said, we don't like him. You know, everybody else could tell me something about him and I would defend it. But when my children said it, that was a different thing. And then she told me, she said, and he just ruined our home. That's something to think about and take to heart. So now I knew I was sad and now my children are sad. I didn't want to come home. If he was home before I was home, I would drive two or three extra blocks hoping he'd go to the store so I can come home and get in the shower and just, just to not have an argument. Or I would like call home and say, okay, uh, I'm going to Walmart. And I'll stay in there extra time just looking at stuff. Because my uh, 
Little House on the Prairie had turned into a nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's something toxic really drains you. And the toxic relationship that I was in almost caused me my life. And so it was a lot to learn in that relationship, you know. And when your kids start telling you, hey, this person has turned our happy home into a sad home, you know, that and you want your children to be happy and we work for our children. We do things for our children. And then now their space is violated. And another thing I noticed, my daughter, she was making straight A's. Then she come home with a B and she was upset with herself. And I was like, hey, what's, what's going on? But, you know, and she mentioned that, you know, with all the arguing in the house, I can't concentrate. We don't think things affect our children, but it does. And when we're not happy, our children are not happy. Tammy, thank you. So, you know, I think you bring up an important point. You didn't actually, I don't know that you made the point, but what I heard you say is that in your toxic relationship, it took it affecting your children to, to stop and do something about it. And I, I'd love to toss that over to Melanie. How often as women do we put up with life around us not being everything we want or deserve um, because we just think that's how it's it's supposed to be. And then, you know, when it, when it comes to our kids, mama bear comes out and we start to make some changes. Right. I, I most definitely agree on that. And a lot of good points have been made and um, I had some stuff in my mind, but listen, I'm just like, Oh, you know, so I'm hoping I can bring out the points that was kind of in my mind. I think for me, um, I got a hold of attracting toxic relationships when I learned my responsibility in the situation when I stopped being the victim, when I stopped, you know, they promised me this and I only did this because you said this, you said that. So even though they said that I still had a responsibility because I decided to stay in it, I decided to accept the relationship. I decided to move forward, even when I saw signs, even after things happened. And once I took responsibility that, listen, you didn't <laughs> you didn't have to stay after that first time you came back so I stayed mad at them for so long because now I got these kids and you put me in this situation and it was like you 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 but it was just like hey you you didn't have to you didn't have to take it you didn't have to stay there you didn't even have to be in a relationship and you chose to so where's your responsibility in it and that helps so much in moving forward um it also helped me in disciplining myself um and then just also started looking what I wanted. And um, I also think another thing that um, for there's such, especially small, I'm in a rural area and you, some of you came from this area, you know, there's such a pressure to be in a relationship, to have a man to, and if you don't, what's wrong with you? If you not don't have kids by a certain time or, you know, um, you know, I've, I've been asked if I was, you know, by, you know, on the other side because they didn't see me with a man. I mean, all these things go into it. And you have this pressure that that if you're not in a relationship, it's just such a, just to be. And if, and I've even been asked when it, the relationships didn't work, what did you do? What did you do? You know, it was my fault. What did you do to make him leave? Or why are you not still in it? So I think it's just some of those just culture um, things, just being a woman and the importance of having a relationship. So it's it's just some things that I did. And then the last thing I was gonna um make mention to is just um that roller coaster ride. Someone life itself is a roller coaster, but when someone has your emotions so caught up and you're just you never know, it's just up and down, up and down. And and sometimes it's just in a, a split second. So I think it's just those things that as a woman, like you said, we just um and sometimes it's just trying to figure it out. I mean, because we don't always know. But once you do know, it's you should keep going back and doing 
on this saying. Yeah, Melanie, and, you're and cutting out. Yeah. Melanie, uh, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, I, again, I know we're on a hot topic because those technology gremlins always come out. <laughs> yeah, I just want to kind of reiterate in here. You know, I'm hearing you guys say so much. On the flip side of that, I believe that tradition and our environment has really conditioned us to some of the things that we uh, deal with when it comes to our relationships. We, we watch our grandparents and parents stay on jobs to where they were not being treated right. They paid them just enough salary to keep bread on the uh, table and the lights on. And so they felt stuck maybe because they didn't have the education or maybe even the mindset or the desire to advance themselves. So many times those relationships were uh, toxic there. Then you saw them in marriages to where they had abusive spouses and yet they did whatever it took to keep that family together, whether uh, they were abusive, maybe they were, uh, not uh, faithful in the relationship. And all we saw the women do is to go to church, come home, take care of the family, and just uh, talk about it, you know, maybe on the phone, gossip with a friend, but nothing really ever changed. They took whatever that man dealt out. And God forbid if he was the breadwinner of the family. So they put up with the abuse. They put up with the infidelity. Uh, they put up with so many things that we indirectly had been conditioned to. And so this is the mindset we go in thinking that our relationships have to be just so-so. So we miss the signs. And the warning signs are there. The red flags are there. And so we're going to break for a short commercial and I want to come back and I want to uh, begin digging in to some of these signs that we're missing or that we're ignoring simply because we have become so desensitized to it due to tradition in our environment and culture. Wow, I love that Antricia touched on tradition, and I'm gonna uh, probably go against a lot of folks here when I say one tradition that we tend to stay in relationship for is our church tradition. How often do women stay in toxic relationships in in marriage? Because I took a vow of marriage in my church and divorce isn't an option. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one to look at I think for sure when we look at traditions, but let's um, to her point, let's talk about some of these signs that we ignore and we just shut the door on or we, okay, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, I know she, she mentioned we watched our parents. I mean, my grandmother was so good at hiding all of what was going on that I had no idea until I was in my 20s and started confiding in her about the infidelity my first husband displayed, about the the different things he did. And that's when I found, that's when I learned that my grandfather had had, had a 
another, you know, family, so to say, that he supported through their whole life. He would send money to a woman that had been at one of their duty stations, and she was certain that that woman had had another child. And this was something my whole life, and I lived in their home, never, never knew until I started to confide. So, um, you know, I think in those signs, are we, are we talking to our daughters, or are we just shoving that stuff under under the table too because let's face it our, our kids know if if mom and dad are you know just tolerating one another or if there's certainly if there's abuse if there's you know negativity it's a the household itself becomes toxic and then we just kind of repeat that pattern so what what kinds of things do you see your friends or have you experienced in your own lives that were good indicators that the relationships around you were toxic and you just kind of kept putting up with it. Let me just say that one of the warning signs that uh, I see that so many people miss is uh, the isolation stage where they're isolating you from people that you were close to. So whether that's your friends, your close friends, whether that's your family, isolation is a red flag. And they make excuses of why you're spending so much time with them and not me and just, you know, they manipulate the situation. So in a sense, they begin to turn you against those that uh, you were once close to or someone that you enjoy spending time with. And another red flag that I see uh, that even uh, many of the young people are dealing with as young as middle school, I'm beginning to see that um, they can want to and desire to control your time and your interactions with others. So not only are they isolating you, but they're controlling the time when you see them. They control how much you see them. They control your interactions with uh, other people, even when they're not around. And so those are two major red flags that uh, we need to be talking to our kids about. Because as young as middle school, those behaviors are surfacing and many of our children don't even know that they're in uh, potentially toxic uh, relationships as a result of that. They don't know what abuse really looks like, especially if it's in the home. Because they're desensitized to what abuse is because to them it looks normal. Absolutely. And isolation doesn't have to look like, um, no, you can't do this or no, it, we're only, you know, sometimes isolation is just like, well, hey, let's go to my parents. Let's let's go go to my parents for dinner. Oh, I don't feel like it. You know, let's go out with some friends for dinner. No, I'd rather just stay home. You know, where where the you know, I just want it to be the two of us, things like that, where maybe now it sounds, oh, look how sweet and cute this is. He doesn't want to share me with somebody else. But the reality is he is just saying, no, we're not, you know, slowly by, you know, bit by bit, piece by piece, they're taking all of those interactions away. And and I really appreciate Aunt Trisha bringing it up because, yeah, I've watched my my daughter you know, go through those types of things. You know, I think another warning sign is the accusations when you do um, have any sort of interaction. I know, especially even with social media, she has, she had um, started to have interest and go out with a boy that every time she would interact with another person on social media, he would fire back at her and, hey, why are you talking to that person? Oh, are you cheating on that person with me? You know, so just this, the suspicion. I think sometimes accusations and suspicion and when, when they're checking up on your emails, your social media, things like that, those are all signs of control. And, you know, and then to the, 
you know, back to the point, do you do, do those things? I mean, I know that uh, because my my whole life had been that sort of environment, as when I first started going into relationships, I always had the same concerns, behaviors, because that's what I'd been conditioned to. You know, that's what, because, you know, maybe, maybe parents didn't trust me even, you know, every single time I went out the door, I was taught not to trust others. So I would enter into a relationship and I became the toxic person. Right. So what, what, um, I, I really love that Aunt Trisha brought those up. What kinds of things would you say, Tammy, that we should, when that happens, because you've you've been able to get out of that type of toxic relationship, how do we start to break away and free ourselves from those toxic relationships? Okay, first is get out of denial. And once you get out of denial that it is toxic, then you have to first realize, okay, what, what is this going to cost me when I get out of this? You know, uh, like as for my situation, and I can only speak about my situation, um, what was it going to cost me? And I had to think before I was getting out of it, I was like, okay, would I be able to pay my bills myself? Will I be able to um, take care of my kids by myself because I'm going to drop down to one income? Uh, and then I realized, well, hey, I'm paying most of the bills anyway. You know, so you have to be honest with yourself about the situation. You know, you might can lie to everybody else. Oh, he takes care of me. Oh, look what he bought me and blah, blah, blah. But you're making payments on that on the side. You see what I'm saying? So you have to be honest with yourself. And one reason why I stayed in that relationship like I did was because when Ann, we missed, she mentioned tradition, everybody was telling me, oh, you got that boy. You need a man to raise that boy. You better get a man over that boy. That boy going to run over you. So back then in the 90s, when you raising, you didn't hear about, hey, you know, I'm independent. It wasn't no songs out about being independent. It was just songs about, you know, love and marriage and things like that. And so that was the way it was supposed to be. If you had a boy, you better get a man to help you raise him. So I had a man in the house, you know, and and I can remember that um, my son, when I was trying to potty train him and me and her dad had separated, I had spanked him because when I went in the bathroom, he had pee all over the wall. And I was like, why is he doing this? Why is this going all over him? He's. I was trying to make him sit down to pee because I didn't know then and understand that he was a boy and he had to stand up to pee. And I was on the phone with his daddy and I was like, I just got through spanking him. He peed all over the wall and everything. I'll make him sit down to pee. And, and their dad said, that's one thing right there. He a boy. He got to stand up to pee. See, I didn't know that because I ain't never stood up to pee. You know, so I'm like, and everybody telling me, oh, you need a man. I know that's crazy, but I did. And then I had to hold him and hug him and reassure him. Mommy's wrong. I just don't understand this. So it was little things like that where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work because I, I don't know how to raise this boy. It's different, you know, and it just come to show. But then. I realized that, hey, you just got to have some good parenting skills to raise a child. No matter if you a father raising a daughter or whatever, you just got to have some good parenting skills. And you have to just know about the situations. You don't have to 
stay with nobody just because society is telling you, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be and everything. And, you know, and uh, back then they were saying, you know, uh, you got two kids who going to want you. So a lot of people stayed in relationships because they told that who going to want a woman with three kids, who going to want a woman that's been divorced, you know, twice and got two kids and, and things like that. So, and, and it's a lot to take in when you be like, well, how's the church family going to perceive it? Tammy, you bring up so many nuggets. You, you've just brought up so many nuggets and so many (laughs) things to really think about in that whole conversation. I mean, and I, and one thing that it made me think going back to the signs of toxic relationships, I think you, without realizing it shared so many signs. I think the biggest sign is that self-doubt. If we are walking around in self-doubt that we are not able to care for our own children, that we are not going to be able to take, to, to do what needs to be done to raise our kids. That's, to me, that's a big red flag that the people around us are not lifting us up and supporting us and pouring into us. And uh, you're, you're so right. You know, it's when, when we're looking outward at everybody else to determine our worth rather than ourselves. Like, Hey, I can do this. You know, I've got this. These are my kids. I can care for them. You don't need, anybody else to take care of your kids. I mean, you know how to nurture them. You know them and love them better than now you, you want, I think we're, we all want to have a village of amazing support surrounding us so that our kids get the different perspectives. Um, We've got a couple more, just a few more seconds or a few more minutes before the break. Sharika, anything to add to what Tammy was saying? Because she gave us some good, (laughs) solid nuggets. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to put this out there. And okay, I'll admit, I'm one of the more, I guess you would say, selfish type people. Call it what you will, whatever. But we got to get to the point to where we just kind of like... I'm going to keep it PG to where we say, forget about what they think. That's, you know, and, and I get it, especially being brought up in the church, small community, everybody knows everybody's business. And if they don't know it, they'll make it up anyway. I get it. Been there, done that. But love yourself enough to come to the point of saying, you know what? This is my life. This is the only life I will ever have. And I'm sure that my creator, when he created me, created me with the thought of Sharika shall have peace and contentment and love while she is on this earth. Okay, so I get it. People talk. They say things. Uh, The church family, you know, that's that's a whole different episode. I'm not going to go into that. But um, you just got to get to the point to where you love yourself enough to say, forget about what they think this is my life and I'm going to walk and live according to the way that's best for me and mine with, within a loving, reasonable way. I'm not talking about wilding out, but you know, within a proper perspective. That's so true. And we live in a society today where, uh, you know, we feel like we have to be validated or affirmed. I mean, I even look at the relationships in my business right now, having to make the transition into the virtual arena. You know, there's a mean toxic people out here. So if I felt like I needed their validation, that could be a whole nother dynamic because I can see me traveling to Georgia. I can see me traveling to New York, to Arizona, to to California, to uh, Colorado, to, to knock on somebody's door. So, so we have to get to the point to where we don't need to be validated by anybody but ourselves. Knowing our self-worth is going to make all of the difference when we're having these interactions in uh, our families, in our relationships, in our business, and even with our children. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, let's focus on, as we're wrapping this up, How do we talk to our kids about toxic relationships and the warning signs to look for? And how do 
we get out when we realize that we have gotten so far in. Guys, this is great. I've enjoyed this today. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, so let's let's dive into a couple things. How do we talk to our kids? Um, you know, I am spending a lot of time talking to my daughter. I have a 16 year old daughter, and even though her life has been completely different than mine, I still watch her fall into. And I think our kids. And correct me if you think I'm wrong, but. I think our kids actually have even more pressure when it comes to acceptance than we ever had. I mean, I didn't have to face the whole social media thing. And um, and I think kids are even more mean, <laughs> if that's possible. And adults, too. I mean, I, I look at adults and they are just horrible examples uh, of what kindness is when it comes to social media. I mean, people can just attack relentlessly. So I feel like these kids are even under more pressure for acceptance. They're counting likes to determine if they have acceptance. So one of the things I tell them is it's absolutely none of um, none of my business, none of their business, what somebody else thinks about them. It just isn't, you know, who cares what somebody else thinks about them? So I know for me, that's, that's one of the things I really, um, I, I really do, uh, focus on the other piece of it is how am I being an example? You know, Mel, Mel yeah. I'd like for you to jump in uh, right there because you work with not only <laughs> your kids but a lot of kids community wide, so you get a lot of dynamics of what this is looking like. So uh, let let's hear your perspective on that. Hey guys, I hope you can hear me okay. There's a lot of um, static on my end. I've been trying to move around to try to fix it. Can you hear me okay? Okay. One of the things that I I have been telling the kids is that um, you got to know how to place and where to place people. I had to learn this. Just because they're a good friend, that doesn't make them a good boyfriend or girlfriend. Just because um, they're a good boyfriend doesn't make them a good father. Or a husband, um, you have to know where to place people. Just because they're a good coworker and you guys are cool at, you know, at work, it doesn't mean you should have them at the hangouts and at your house. And because people, we all have issues, and when we're bringing people into our personal space all the time, we just we absorb all of that. So relationships have to be built, and those things have to be chosen carefully. And I think that that's what we're missing. We just we just think that, you know, are they cool? You know, we can just bring them in and you, you can't do that. And the kids do, they have so much more influence what they see on TV. Um, you know, nothing is PG anymore, especially when it comes from kids, everything is rated R. I mean, even at a young age, um, and what kids bring to school around our kids, they hear about all the stuff and what their mom and daddy was doing, what they seen people do and, you know, just having access to so much. And so there's so much to figure out because relationships are hard and then something that has to be grown. So I work with the kids and I just tell them, you know, and some things are just seasonal. We have to understand that not everybody we're meant to hold on. Some people just cross your path just for a moment and you're to get out of that what you get out of it but we try to make those into something that's solid and there's that's there within our lives and everybody's not meant to be there. Um, everything that's in your life doesn't come through there for it to be there forever. So I think once we know that 
we're more okay with letting things go, let things pass through. Um, again, understand our responsibility in that. But if we if we don't understand about those relationships and how to place where to place people within our lives, and I I always think about this now. If I can't be with you in every aspect of my life, around my family, at church, at you know home or whatever, you're not meant to be that person that's with a good friend that can come to everything that I'm going to invite to everything. Some people have a place in your life and it's okay for them to be just that. I love that perspective because sometimes I think we we get into this, well, I just want them out of my life, especially as we start to grow and develop ourselves and we start to recognize that some relationships aren't meant to be good, close relationships and could be toxic. Um, I, I wish I had a chart, but I like, to, I like to picture and explain it like a bullseye, right? So if you have a, a target for darts or something and you've got that bullseye and place people with little, you know, put those little people in different places on the bullseye. And, you know, maybe that person is sitting right now in your inner circle, but that's not where they belong. It doesn't mean that you have to kick them out and never speak to them again, but you can move them further out the bullseye, right? You can, you can take them further out that circle of influence where, you know, maybe it's a phone call here and there. Maybe it's a, Hey, happy birthday. Maybe they just remain, you know, a, a friend, a, a friend on social media, but they're not to your point, somebody that you bring into their life. It doesn't mean that you have to, Hey, get out of my life to every single person that doesn't um, make you feel good right here, right now in the moment. Cause you're right. So many of them are just there seasonal and maybe, maybe you just need to learn something from some of those folks. How, how else do we get out of those? Um, Tammy or Sharika? Well, I just wanted to say as far as, the message to kids, because, you know, I have my my little ones, well, almost grown ones. But one thing that I continue to tell them is you set the standard by which people treat you. And so if someone's treating you in a way that does not align with your expectations, it's your responsibility to make them aware. Because sometimes we're talking about toxic relationships. One thing we didn't mention is how sometimes we don't always verbalize or make it plain to individuals of our expectations. And so, you know, people aren't mind readers. And so if they're accustomed to doing and behaving a certain way and you never say or do anything about it, then it's their assumption that it's probably okay when it's not. So just one thing that I always try to keep on the forefront of my kids' mind, especially my daughter, she's almost 17, you know, girl, you set the standard by which you allow people to treat you. And if they don't fall in that standard, you let them know. And if they still choose to not, then at that point, you know, got to go. So <laughs> that's my message. Absolutely. Tammy, what are you telling your girls <laughs> or your boys? What are you telling your kids about relationships? How are you talking to them about these toxic relationships and how to? Right. I have grown. Okay. My daughter is 31 and my son is 29. But recently I have gained uh, inherited children. And their ages are 13, 10, 6, and 5. Now, my children, they grew up like in the 90s and early 2000s. So after I've learned that a person will, tr will treat you how you let them treat you, I used to tell my children that and to always stand up for themselves. Now, now that I have these small ones and it's the, the 20, 21, I'm hesitant of what I say because what I look at by working at the hospital, this young child stood up for themselves and then three or four of them jumped on them. So, it depends on the situation and what you would say. Because when I could tell my kids things, uh, every child didn't have a cell phone where they can put, oh, this person is bad, don't speak to this person, or post a picture of them and put it on social media and then have a bad or negative thing on them. Now, I'm always going to teach them to stand up for themselves 
but I'm also going to teach them there's a time where you have to take it to an adult to stand up for you because we see all this stuff going on on social media where kids are standing up for themselves and then they have a gang of them jumping on them or and things like that so I think my um, the the rule I try to live by now is um, just to lead the kids by example, you know, because it does not matter what we say to them. Um, we can say anything we want. We can tell them, hey, don't let somebody treat you that way. Or we can say, don't, you know, uh, don't don't hang around people like that. But at the end of the day, they're watching. They see it. Uh, so if we're allowing that in our life and we're not stepping up and leading by example um, in two ways, one in how we treat others, because if they're watching us on the phone, ripping into some customer service representative because we're not happy with it, well, then they're going to see that behavior as something that's OK for others to either do to them or for them to do to others. So I've I've really started focusing on my own actions because at the end of the day, and Mel said this, we have to take responsibility and be responsible versus victims. So at the end of the day, being responsible um, is how do I treat others? If I'm responsible for how I treat others and the example I leave for my kids, then I am going to have um, more impact on them as they watch that because they're going to go out and treat others with that kind of respect. And Sharika said at the very beginning, we we get what we put out there. So um, that's, I think, um, to answer Trisha's question, I'm sure she wants to close this out and has many comments with everything we said, but that would be my number one piece of how do you, how do you steer clear of toxic relationships? Be the example for the kids. That's how we teach them. Mm, absolutely, ladies, this was so uh, juicy. <laughs> Y'all brought all the tea today, girls. Um, yeah. The thing is, you know, with, with the impact of COVID and the dynamics of our family uh, relationships now, if you were already in a relationship that was toxic, as a result of what we're dealing with in today's time, uh, those situations have really heightened. And as a result of that, many people believe that they're stuck. Many people have lost their lives and many children uh, no longer have a family that they can call home because they've been moved out of that dynamics into foster care for those that have survived. So we really have to look at this thing for what it is. Not everybody who gets in gets out alive and not everybody who gets out, get out the same way that they entered. These are all life altering situations that have occurred. So we can't continue to be blind and suffer in the silence of what is already a detrimental situation. That lady that you sit next to on your job, in that cubicle that always has a smile and seems like everything is together. She may be the very one suffering in the silence of toxicity in a relationship to where there's an abuse of power. And not everything is physical. We're getting hit emotionally. We're getting hit um, socially. Financially, there's so many dynamics of that. So my plea to you, if you're watching this or listening uh, on the airways, whatever it is, when you come across this, like it, share it, subscribe to us. This is a community of hope. What you see here is a dynamic of survivors, people with testimonies, people in real life, in real time, who have dealt with real life situations. If you need a plan, help is out there. Help is out there. Get with somebody you trust. And sometimes that can even be a stranger on the street 
that will advocate for you and help you develop a plan and create a team of support that you need to get to safety. This has been so great. You've here with us on the Coffee Talk and Tea Set as today we have discussed the dynamics of the signs of toxic relationships. Until next time, guys. Thank you.